we've only had 30% appreciation. So like a 2% appreciation annualized, which is actually less than wage inflation. So mm. think about that for a second. What place in Canada does your money actually go further than it did 15 years prior? Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or whatever else is on our minds. All right, we are recording. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Tom Story Show. This is your Sunday weekly real estate roundup podcast, where we try to do our best to give you all the information you need across the Canadian real estate market. If you are watching us on YouTube, I'd like to say thank you. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. Steve, we are nearing that goal of getting to 2,000 subscribers. Happening now over 1,800 already, so yeah. we're getting there. We are almost there. So if you've been showing up every week and getting an ounce of value out of these podcasts, all we ask is hit that subscribe button and make sure to hit the like button on this video for the algorithm to show it to other amazing people like you. If you're listening on audio, just want to say thank you. And if same idea on YouTube, if you're finding value, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review into today's show. I'm very, very excited to introduce our guest today. He's someone that I can't actually believe it took this long to get you on here. I feel like you should have been right at the beginning. Brad McCallum has joined us. Brad is a Calgary real estate team leader with Real Broker. He is also a notable hand mover in the industry, hand very good with his hands, and may have the best hair in the real estate industry as well. Michael Waddell might have something to say about that. But Brad, welcome to the show. <laughs> Man, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to come on now. You guys have built this amazing show. You've built this large audience, this super loyal following. So uh, I'm, I'm just pumped to be on here and chat with you guys about real estate and all the stuff that we do here in this industry. So thanks a lot for having me on. Yeah, no, we're, we're thrilled to have you. So I want to start with just like, who's Brad? And I usually like to ask our guests at the beginning, like, you're more than just a real estate agent, right? Like, you're a husband, you're a dad, there's lots of other things that go on in your life. So take away real estate for a second. Like, who's Brad McCallum? Yeah. Um, you know, I've been married 22 years. I turn 45 tomorrow. Nice. Um, I've got two kids, uh, 10 and 13. Um, so I'm like a pretty boring, average, family guy. I live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I came from Saskatchewan. Um, this is as far as I've made it, just one province <laughs> over. And uh, um, I think my biggest passion is probably like content creation and creative stuff. Like if it wouldn't have been real estate for me and I had any sort of a voice, I'd probably be busking on a corner for like loonies and stuff. Like that's the thing that uh, I'm into. I just wanted to do something that allowed me to be creative in some aspect. And then of course, real estate's been, you know, that, that like outlet for me, but otherwise, I don't know, painting, drawing, creating family vlog, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that, that, that stuff gets me inspired. I love it. Yeah. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to check out after this podcast, Brad's channel as well. Um, and we're going to get into the, the listing style videos that you do, which I think is like, at least the beginning of your career, what got you the notoriety people were like, Oh, Watch what that guy's doing. So we'll get into that. But you didn't, like me, get into real estate when you were 22 years old, right? You had a prior career. And yeah. then I know had a moment in life where things changed that then kind of yeah. you were like, okay, so could you share that story? I think that'd be really interesting for the viewers. Yeah, you bet. Well, you know, um, I'd say in my mid-20s mid or so, I started a renovation business. 
And, uh, and I ran that business pretty much through the darkest 15 years in Calgary's history, right? From like 2006, right up to like, you know, maybe 2019, so maybe 13 years or so. And what was interesting about that time is that I, I, I loved the actual designing of the homes and I didn't have a background in it, just kind of self-taught on everything I've ever done in my life. Um, but I started to run the team and run, the, uh, run like, uh, you know, a good construction crew. The challenge with it was is that we kept on going through recessions in in Calgary. We have a very um, cyclical uh, oil and gas economy, you know, and that and that just creates so much challenges um, for businesses because you're always up and down, and then your clients are always you know rich or broke, and everyone's feeling a little bit of pressure, right? And so you can really feel the mood in the city change when when things started to drop. And now. In the last few years, we've definitely diversified a bit, but that's my background was, was the, the construction business. Um, about five and a half, six years ago or so, I had a, a couple of challenges. I had, my, my son was starting kindergarten. I had never um, gotten my grade 12. And so, so I, I realized I was saying all these things to him that was making me sound like a hypocrite. I'm like, stay in school, be like, listen to your teacher, be a good student, like, you know, complete your assignments. And I realized I didn't do that. So I was like, and then I was like looking at my business and my business was like in, in shambles. And, you know, we barely, we, the only money we had as a family was that part of the equity in your home that they don't let you refinance. <laughs> like that was, that was the part <laughs> that we had. And then uh, on the other side of it was my health is the other thing that I was dealing with. I had had a, uh, a tumor, actually a parotid gland tumor. Um, and so that's, uh, it's the exact same thing that actually killed Adam MC of the Beastie Boys. And so that all sort of came like, in a convergence, like when I was 39 years old and I decided, okay, this is it. Like, uh, I'm getting through this life. I'm going to get to the end of this thing and I won't have provided the family, you know, the life I wanted for my family. I won't have really discovered like who I am or what my own potential might be. I'm going to go and take the easy route, get my real estate license, right? Just make some of that sweet, easy money in, in real estate and, and go for it. And so fortunately I didn't get I, I didn't, uh, um, you know, I got the surgery. It was successful. They removed the tumor. Um, uh, I went and got my GED and oh. I got my real estate license and I got, got started in the game. That's awesome. That's really cool. And were you proud to to show your kids when you got the GED to be like, look, I graduated <laughs> as well. Like, I'll tell you what, I, I was... Uh, <laughs> I was not like ashamed of it at all. Like my, yeah. my parents thought it was so like, why are you posting this on social media? And I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, this is, this is a big deal for someone to just like, to not, mm -hmm. to not have like ego about something. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like I'll destroy everything in my life if I can make one part of it better. Right. And so like, I don't care. I've got, I'm not doing this for myself or my ego. Like I'm doing this for my family. So I, I was more than happy to, to share that stuff out there. The part that I, I would say I pushed back on a little bit is I got invited to go to like the honors ceremony. Cause I nailed my GED and they're like, Oh, you can go post in a cap and gown. I'm like, nah, I, that's the, that's a little bit of a bridge too far for me. I'm going to stay away from that. I mean, it, it could a little bit be like Billy Madison, uh, in the, yes, in the room. Right. <laughs> so did you, did you have a bit of a, a tough childhood then? Like you didn't graduate high school. Was that a tough you know spot what or why was I, that? My father's like blue collar. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and you know, like, because we were just a, you know, we were just a, like a lower income, middle income family. 
you know, my dad went to work every day and he was in the flooring industry, like installing carpet and tile and hardwood and those sorts of things. And so I would just go after school and and work with him from pretty much when I was like 11 or 12, right? And then the summers, I would work all summer except for when we were at the lake. And so by the time I hit like 16 or 17, um, I was I knew that like I could do this trade already. So I knew like I was going to go to high school and just start, you know, making money. So when I turned 18, like I went on my own, I bought a truck and had the tools and ran a small crew. And and I did that, but I just saw, ended up seeing like how cyclical it was. Like when I was 18 or 19, I was making more money than all my friends, right? Because they were in school and, you know, working tough jobs and I'm making 350 bucks. And then 10 years later, I'm making 400 bucks <laughs> and, and now they're starting to make some real money, right? But now I've got like a family, I've got like a mortgage or I wanted to buy a house. And I was realizing like, wait, I'm not getting any closer. And every time the economy dipped, they would just, they would cut the rates. And so... I realized I needed to to change that. So that's when I opened up my my renovation company and and then from there realized even that was not my strength. Like managing people, not my strength. That that's that's not something I'm I'm good at. <laughs> and when you got to the point, so you had the renovation company for a period of time, um, you know, went through the health issue and and now clean bill of health, correct? So you're all good now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So and then so but then real estate. So was it during the renovation business that you would meet the realtors at the houses that were maybe selling that you renovated that you're like, wait a second, I can yeah, do this. I, I'm smarter than I, you. Like I can do this. To, to be fair, I, I, I had a, a low, lower opinion than I probably should have about real estate agents. I think like a lot of people in the general public, right? Where it's like, hey, they're all the same. They get paid too much. They do too little. And I was finding that I would be called out because someone was looking at buying a home like in one of our lake communities and doing a big renovation on it and a design. And so I would show up with the client and the realtor and the realtor would be outside taking calls and and other stuff. Like, I'm like, what is he doing? Like, why is he not in here with his client at this time? And said, I would be walking around and be either selling them or or actually like turning them away from it saying like, listen, like this house has some real opportunities based on this or this and this layout. And, and people at the end of it were sending me messages and saying like, okay, yeah, we want to go through with the, the project. And, and, and I realized like, wait a second, they were trusting me based on like my knowledge and understanding of it. And then the real epiphany for me was when I would get the renovation job. So like I would do all the selling, I'd meet the people, I'd help them find the house, I'd get the renovation job. And instead of earning a commission, I would just earn six months worth of work. And then I'd get the commission. And I was like, wait a second, the, the realtor got paid already, like it's already done. And so I feel like the difference between the two worlds was I still had to go and make the sale. It's just now I got paid before I had to do the work. And and now, as you've moved into the real estate industry and very much climbed up the ladder of the industry very, very fast, and we'll get into that. Um, are you taking that prior experience from the renovation business where, you know, with your listings, you're still, you're doing this flip stuff for people and doing the renovating or not yourself, but still owning that business and the real estate side, or are you just all in on real estate? Yeah, no, it took me about, um, I'd say about 15 to 18 months or so to go all in on real estate. I was running, I was kind of half and half because as sole income earner. So I needed to, um, needed to make sure I still had some money coming in while I was getting my feet underneath me with real estate. And, and I'm probably more conservative than people might might think like when it comes to my family and our future like i'm very conservative with my own money 
And so, uh, yeah, it just took me a while to, I think, really trust that, hey, listen, the phone's going to keep ringing, opportunities are going to keep coming up, and that you're building relationships that are starting to pay dividends. So it took a little while um, uh, to get there. And, and then what was wild about it was I thought I was going to be working with buyers um, and using that knowledge to really like help um, buyers make wise choices or see opportunities where others didn't. And I, I do use it somewhat with investors. Um, but the bigger part of that is that knowledge helped me to actually grow my selling side of the career because it helped me to actually explain the products that we were selling and really advocate for my sellers. And that I think became a real differentiation point for us versus other agents in our market. Was there any houses that like 10 years ago you did the reno on and then they came back to you and now you're in real estate and you sold it? You're like, I was the one that did this work. And now that's got to be kind of cool, right? Yeah, it's been exciting. And you know, I've only been in the industry like five years now, right? So I've done the thing where I've actually renovated the house, uh, sold the house and then sold it again, which is like (laughs) a really, which is a really cool thing to to think about, right? Because if if I was just in renovations, it's not like they call you up every five years to fully renovate (laughs) their house again. So it's pretty cool. I'm getting to that point now where like I'm approaching a decade in real estate, which I can't believe I'm saying that. It's crazy how fast the last nine and a half years have gone where I'm driving around and like my one and a half year olds in the backseat, no idea what's going on. I'm like, daddy sold four in that building. He sold two on that street. I'm like, I'm feeling proud of like the things I did previously. Right. Because now it's now you're seeing list. Now I'm seeing listings come up that like I sold that house six years ago and now another person it's just interesting to like see the how this works in the same house yeah. trades hands and maybe that's just time in the industry and steve you're the old dog here so i'm sure you've seen that happen a lot as well <laughs> absolutely the uh the cool part there is like just the ability to walk in and then be able to go okay i know what you can do with this place because that's mm-hmm. not common in our industry uh i mean i learned a lot uh when i put a basement suite in my own house, right? You open up a wall, you find out what's there, you go through the whole process. So now I can advise people on like, hey, this is kind of how you can put this together. Um, yeah. I'm amazed at how often, yeah, the agents are like, well, they, they're asking me, where would you put the kitchen? I'm like, well, yeah. I, can see, I can see where the furnace room is. I can see where the water is. I can see where the outside wall is for the vent. Like this should be part of how you're advising your clients, but it's just not common knowledge. Uh- you know, I would agree. I would say the thing that surprised me the most was when you get your real estate license um, in Calgary here, at least the Calgary Real Estate Board has all the new agents come down to sort of like a welcome to the industry sort of seminar. And halfway through it, they have everyone stand up, say their name and what their past industry was. And what was wild about it was 60% of a room of maybe 150 agents were from the bar and entertainment industry. It's not that surprising, actually. I would have guessed yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, what's, and I was just like, well, wait a second. This is why this is such an opportunity for agents that either have some knowledge and not that, you know, not to, you know, to say that that was a bad place to come from or something, but you're about to advise people on the biggest investment of their life. And I know for my, my wife and I, um, you know, we've been married for such a long time, but the only real stress in our marriage has ever been about money. Like it's ever been when we've been shy or tight and where we felt like out of alignment on budgets or whatever it might be. And so I think of like all the pressures that are on families, like especially right now. And, and that was where really like when I got my uh, career started in Calgary, we were in a deep recession at the time. So um, a lot of those fears uh, were, were very alive and well in our sellers that they wouldn't be able to sell and even pay off their mortgage and have 
you know, enough for uh, to move their family into like a rental and have that security deposit even. And so for me, I, I just have always felt an extreme burden of responsibility to ensure that if a client works with us, that we haven't somehow added stress or challenge to their marriage, right? Because I've felt that, um, you know, in our own marriage, when we've been stressed about that stuff and just, you know, you're not the best father you could be or the best husband you can be when you're under those kind of pressures. And, and as agents, I do think we have a, a huge opportunity to actually impact the, the outcome um, of a sale. And, and I want to always be that person that, that was able to be the, like, if your goal was to get into a four bedroom house, cause that's what that family needed. then do you have the skills to actually help that family, you know, get everything they needed from their sale and then buy at the most attractive price possible so they can actually do what they needed to do in the first place. And, you know, in the beginning and in, in my, when, in the early part of my career, um, people were just, you know, I thought I was going to be working with moms with swollen bellies, like just needing another bedroom. And instead you're, you know, you're picking up someone two blocks away from home because their spouse um, has been abusive. Um, you're working with uh, someone else who just lost their spouse. Spouse, like it, it's a really wild business because you get to work with people, oftentimes at their most vulnerable and at some of the biggest moments in their life. And are you really truly prepared to be an advocate, like like truly an advocate for those people, their needs, like take on their goals? And that is why I remember being in that room and thinking like. Okay, I think I think I can make it in this industry because, like, if it's within my power, I'm going to do it. And if that becomes my reputation, um, then I'm going to get more of this business, and I'll be fine. It's funny that you say that because it, do you guys actually know uh, c- coming from previous industries? Do you know the two most successful uh, industries that transfer into real estate? I actually don't. There are two. Give me a guess, Tom. Story. Let's say like mechanics, because you came from the car world, and you're probably p- trying to pump your own tires here. I I service food equipment. Um, the the top two that transfer into real estate uh, and do it well, and it's exactly because of what Brett's saying is like. Uh, it, number one was hospitality, but particularly um, hotel management. Nice, because you figure if you're working at a front desk in a hotel. Uh, the amount of service, the service level you have to provide, which is right. We think like, oh, I like houses. I, I'm in construction. I'm going to get into real estate. It's not, not the same thing because no. what you're doing is you're servicing those people in their time of need. And the the second one or the most successful one is actually flight attendant. Hmm. Yeah, I believe that. Because those are both service-based. Uh, like it's That's all it is. You're dealing with grumpy people and you're mm-hmm. like, I'm still going to put on a smile and get you what you need. Yeah. And those transfer the best. So if you are uh, thinking about changing out of those two industries, you know what? Come it's on inter- over. There's, inter- lots, there's lots of room in the Toronto Real Estate Board for more. This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by Lendlord. If you've not heard of Lendlord, it is a software platform designed for real estate investors. It helps you easily track your portfolio and get reminders when things like rent and utility payments are due. But the best feature and my most favorite feature of the entire platform is something called a deal analyzer. This is where you, as a real estate investor, can log into the software, plug in your future potential purchase, and the system quickly comes up with important information 
automation like cap rate, cash on cash return, and even future potential values. It's a totally free software, but listeners of the Tom Story Show can get 90 days of the upgraded paid version right now totally for free by either clicking the link down below in the description or going to landlord.io slash tomshow. And if you're a real estate agent and you're not using this software to quickly and efficiently analyze deals for your clients, well, I think you're doing your clients a disservice. Download Landlord today for a quick and easy way for you to analyze not only your own future purchases, but those of your clients. So again, that's landlord.io slash tomshow to sign up right now and listeners of the Tom Story Show receive 90 days of the paid version totally for free. I have tried this software myself. I think it's fantastic and extremely useful as a real estate investor. Sign up today. That's landlord.io slash Tom Show. And now back to the podcast. It's interesting you say that. I know quite a few people in the Toronto market that are absolute heavy hitters that were flight attendants originally. Um, And actually, Wendy on my team, shout out, who's been doing it just under two years now, killing it. Like, just just make she came from uh, from the hotel industry. So, yeah, it's cool. It's cool that I didn't know that, but that it kind of makes sense when you think. And now you will see it everywhere when you're talking to people. So maybe to find new team members, we just go hang out at airports or outside (laughs) hotels. (laughs) It's um, actually not a bad idea, Tom. It's not a bad idea. More flights. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of, uh, actually, this is the terrible segue. Not speaking of flights. <laughs> well, speaking of flights from going from Ontario to Alberta. Okay. Yes. Now, when I am going onto our public transit, la- last summer, I would look up and I'm sitting on the TTC and there's an ad for Alberta saying, move to Alberta. Something along the lines of like, come here, like, pl- come here. Come on, you Ontarians, like you can buy twice as much of the house for half the fee. You guys were pushing hard, not you specifically, you know, the province was pushing hard on that. And you know what? It worked. So Mm -hmm. are you still seeing that? Like, are the buyers on your listings, especially maybe the higher end stuff, are they coming from Ontario, coming from BC, or are they local to Alberta? So as it turns out, this was a great segue, right? Because there has been a flight. There's been a flight from Ontario. There's been a flight from British Columbia. um, And we're still seeing it today. Um, You know, the funny thing about this interest rate rise um, and and what that's done to to the average Canadian is that even if pricing in Toronto and surrounding areas are, you know, dropping 15 or 20 percent, the, stall, the, the cost of actually servicing that mortgage has still risen for the vast mm-hmm. majority of people, right? Yep. And so Calgary is one of those few places where you can get a little bit of like affordable living. You can still get the house. Like I think we have like the average house, like the average household median income in Calgary is higher than any place else in Canada. And it has been that even at the depths of Calgary recessions, it's still been higher than Toronto and Vancouver. So it's always been a great place, you know, for a family. It's always been affordable for a family. Uh, but those ups and downs, I think, and maybe even just the politics of Alberta, yeah. it, it's created um, sometimes a stigma attached to the place. Um, there are real weather issues here. Like we woke up this morning to like an inch of snow. It's already gone. Um, you know, but being close to the Rocky Mountains, like there's pluses and of course there's minuses and and all that stuff. But we have seen such a big uh, grouping of people. Like I would say just this week, we've got four new buyers um, that are coming in either next weekend or in two weekends or are buying right now, uh, strictly just from the GTA. Wow. Um, 
just to our just to our team. And and I think you've inter- interviewed some other great guys like Jared Chamberlain in our yep. city. Um, awesome guys making some incredible YouTube content as well. And lots of it's informative. And so I can only imagine that they're experiencing the same thing because people are, are, are searching out, you know, really what they can get right now at a time where everywhere else in Canada feels out of reach. I um we did a first time home buyer seminar in person about two weeks ago. Um, yeah. It was good. We, we rented out this little room. We capped it at 30 people. I wanted to be like, you know, intimate and, and kind of give them all the information. At the end, I spoke to someone and he had a pretty sizable down payment saved up. And he's like, you know what? I just don't know what to do. I could buy a condo in Toronto, but I'd have a decent mortgage and, you know, the rate would be high. Or I could go to Calgary and almost buy something cash and yeah. have no mortgage. And he's like in his 20s. And, and he's like, what do I do? And And I think he asked several people the same question and got probably three different responses. Yeah. I basically said like, you know, well, what's more important to you specifically where you live or if it is being debt free at this point in your life, just going to be the number one thing that you're waking up every day being like, this is amazing. But people are thinking about it. And then not just first time home buyers, which I'm sure you guys are experiencing, but let's say you own a property in Toronto. And even if you only own 50% of the equity of the home at this point, right? Let's say yeah. you own a house worth $1.5 million. So you've got, you know, you know, almost $800,000 in equity, even if you sold it, paid the penalty on your mortgage, took that cash, flew to Calgary, bought a house, you're mortgage free. And so not that I'm trying to make people leave Toronto to go (laughs) to go to Calgary, but like, I mean, it makes sense. But so here's what I'd like to know. As some I've actually never been to Calgary, I need to come. I need to actually see what's what's going on there. But I'll host you. You Yeah, okay, amazing. So if someone were, were to be living, and I know you don't live in Toronto either, haven't spent a lot of time here, so it's hard to say exactly what the difference is, but other than just purely, okay, um, yeah, it gets colder there sometimes, that kind of stuff, and the real estate's cheaper and, and less taxes and things like that. What is the difference? If I'm moving from BC or Ontario to Alberta or Calgary specifically, what's it like living there other than the obvious things we all talk about? Yeah, you know, I'd say one of the the biggest challenges for someone moving, um, if they're actually like Toronto interior, like if they're actually in the city, is you're going to come to to Calgary and think, I'm going to live around a very vibrant downtown. And the challenge is, is be, because of our weather here in Calgary, um, because it gets so cold in the winter, uh, downtown looks like a ghost town most of the time. Okay. And the reason why is that we've got these things called plus 15s. They're just these these routes between buildings that allow you essentially to walk through all of the downtown buildings. And so you've got shops and restaurants and cafes in there and stuff. So people don't actually get down to the street level nearly as much as they should and really interact. And so it's, it's a bit strange. And because of that, because it services those buildings on sort of a nine to five, you know, you know schedule, um, there's really only pockets like streets here and there where you'll actually get people coming into the city after hours. So, I would say the biggest observation we've seen from a lot of people that came from like a Vancouver or a Toronto is that life is just like, there's just less to do here. Now, I think there's still a vibrant city. We've got a beautiful river valley. There's great festivals. Like we have an awesome summer. We have a lot of that stuff that that happens. We've got the mountains nearby, but just that like kind of daily nightlife, it, it's like there's there's spots around the city that you can go all the time and always have a, like something to do, but it does not have that same energy uh, that 
downtown Toronto has. And and so if that's something that's important to you, like we, I just toured around downtown Vancouver for the first time, like a month ago, my wife and I, and I was just kind of blown away that in an hour and a half, I could be in like a world-class city like that. Um, you know, because when we go downtown Calgary, it's, it's just a little bit different. It's yep. bedroomy, right? Like it's everybody mm-hmm. leaves the city. Five o'clock comes around six o'clock. You're done your work day and everybody leaves the city as opposed to like, even when uh, Tom comes here, and does stay downtown on a Tuesday night. He's like, "What's going on in downtown Vancouver?" On a yeah, Tuesday you guys night? shut down early yeah. on Tuesdays. Yeah, it, it yes, yeah, so every it's like day. A Friday and Saturday night town, um, but there's still mm-hmm. like a lot going on. Not anything compared to Toronto, right? When you're downtown Toronto, it's very similar to Manhattan, where it's like there's a bar on every corner, there's restaurants, yeah. there's everything going on every day of the week. And in Calgary, it's like, yeah, I've. I've been there for actually i was there for i think a richard robbins conference ages ago and you would go and it was like okay you went to whatever sports bar was playing the flames game and it was huge for some reason and then there was no one else anywhere else in the city at night so we're staying in the hotel everybody's gone home yeah you know it's funny like there's definitely like we've got a couple of sort of entertainment centers like we've got 17th avenue a lot of people kind of go down there it's like usually the like, little bit younger crowd we got stephen avenue right downtown that's like it's hopping throughout the day and it slows down in the evening but we've got this large downtown space and most of it is it's just really just little hot spots amongst it and, and the rest but of no it is, real like you don't have the like condo community that vancouver and Toronto does not quite the same way. Well, I'll give you an example. Um, we've worked with one buyer now. Uh, he's an investor, and we've helped him purchase uh, eight properties: one bedroom apartment condos in the Beltline, so just just outside of the downtown Calgary, like sort of in the you know circumference around it. And his average uh, price in is one hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars. What are those rent for? Sixteen fifty to seventeen fifty a month. But they so. So you're buying for cash flow, not for appreciation. It's between a seven and eight and a half percent cap rate. Wow. But can you find tenants easily? Is it hard to find tenants? Easily. Like, see, that's the one thing that's happened in in, in Calgary. Like, because we started off from such a low price point now, we've had a a, a serious um, inflation on the rental side of things. So we've seen rents go up 35% or so in the last 13, 14 months. But I mean, that's still only taking you like up to, you know, 1500 bucks. (laughs) So why would you rent and not just buy if you can get into a condo at 200 grand? You know what? It's a psychology thing. Um, Too many people in Calgary have seen like the ups and downs and so like once bitten, twice shy. And so you get these people that, that look at that and will say like, I don't know, I, I, I just am, I'm too worried. Like, what if I miss, right? And so everyone's kind of always protecting their downside in Calgary. That's one thing um, I'll, I'll see. But, you know, for myself, like I bought a 2,000 square foot home with a double car garage in the fall of 2021. Um, took possession February 1st, 2022. Um, now I bought it in the fall, like five months in advance. I was just like, there's just no way I should be able to buy a home like three blocks from my own home for under $500,000. That's single family, great community, super safe community, great schools, all the stuff, great house. And it's 2000 square feet with a double attached garage. And so I bought it for 485. And, uh, you know, four or five months later, I'm working with some buyers who want to live in our area. And I'm out showing them and 
we just took possession. I was like, well, you know, I think we're going to like lease this place out. And uh, I said, but I'll, I'll show you my place. And they offered me like 675, like within a day of, of having it. So like the market turned that quickly. I would say it's probably fell off to where we could get maybe 630 to 640. But still. Maybe even 675 though now, just because the, it is so incre- incredibly low inventory out here. And so for, for people that are coming to Calgary for the first time from other markets because of the affordability factor and what and what you can get, but then we also have to you know talk about the fact that as we've talked about, Calgary has had multiple times where it's gone up really fast and then down really fast and then stayed down for a while. Has the last few years almost felt too good that you're like, I know this feeling and a down's coming? Like it, no. that's, that's something we have to acknowledge though, right? That like people yeah. that haven't been there before that are just going to yeah. move there your price isn't just going to go up magically all the time. There could be some downs. Yeah, I would say there's a couple of key differences. So first off, um, the, the most important thing to remember is that between 2007 and 2022, we've only had 30% appreciation. So like a 2% appreciation on like annualized, which is actually less than wage inflation. So mm. think about that for a second. What place in Canada... Could you actually, does your money actually go further than it did 15 years prior? Hmm. And that's, that's the reality of what, what life was like in Calgary. So this recent little bump up that we've had, I think is, is important. We've also had diversity um, when it comes to business and enterprise. Like we've now became like a real logistical hub as well. Um, you know, the, the pandemic opened up a lot of office space. And so we've really been focused on bringing tech companies in and are actually starting to see some, some genuine movement in that front. Like not, it's still minuscule in comparison to oil and gas, but it is actually starting to see that. And we have an incredibly, like we have the strongest, like youngest, most educated um, working class uh, of, of uh, able-bodied employees in the nation. And, and so because of that, that's very desirable for companies that are, are looking for, you know, engineers and, and talented individuals to come work for them. And these companies are now able to offer these people like, hey, listen, if, if we move our base to Calgary, we've got uh, an opportunity for you to get affordable housing. So it's it's like they're getting a raise and they're getting the job. And it's still a great right. lifestyle here. Um, a big thing for Toronto buyers that we, I'd say the biggest challenge for Toronto buyers is they come here expecting, and a little bit with Vancouver too, they come here expecting the same pre-sale culture and, and we yeah. don't have that in Calgary. And that yeah. is the the biggest challenge. Like, so we, we got probably 150 calls last week or last year um, from people that just wanted like, hey, we'd love to buy something that's completing 2026, put yeah. the money down on it. And it's just like, we don't do that here. And, you know, the other difference is, is here, I think that's a big difference between Toronto and Vancouver and Calgary is when it comes to house pricing is we actually build enough homes. Right. Like we don't have the same red tape here that you guys have in your markets. And so because of that, um, I would say like our housing market has a lot of stability in it just simply because it's actually, they're always building to try to meet demand. And so um, we don't have the same red tape, which allows us to create communities and, 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 and create demand as it goes. Um, Calgary doesn't have the same extreme ups and extremes downs. Um, so I would say the, the reason for that um, and the reason why I'm confident about our market here is just simply because there's not a lot of speculation built into the price. You know what you gave? You gave those numbers for your purchase of a single family home. And those are almost the similar, very similar timeline, but almost exactly the numbers for my two bedroom condo. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I'm 45 minutes outside of the city. 
Yeah. Right. So that's it, that's why so many people are coming that way. But they are expecting this is the mistake. This is the Calgary mistake that Vancouver and uh, Ontario people do is they come into your market and go, okay, well, that looks good. How can you go wrong? And they don't realize that it can go wrong. Yeah. And that you're not going to get because they're going in going, oh, that's 475. For sure, in a couple of years, that's going to be like, that's going to be like yeah. 657. And it's like, or it'll be 465. Yeah, I would say this is the big thing, right? It's maybe the the highs aren't as high and the lows aren't as low. Mm. So so you don't really have, like when, when people think of like a stagnating market, like, you know, you bought a place at 745, like your dream home in Calgary, and then you can't sell it. Like, like 2014 was a peak in property values for us. And we didn't surpass that until 2021. So if you'd bought at the peak of the market in 2014, you didn't actually see any appreciation until 2021, the fall of 2021. That's a seven-year cycle, right? And, and I mean, so for a lot of families, though, they could have sold at 720 or 710 or 715 or something. So it's not like they've lost their shirt. It's, mm. it's just that a lot of people don't, you know, you buy real estate with the expectation it's going to go up over time. And, uh, and I think... Yeah, it's just not always worked out like that. It's it's funny. So what I was thinking when you were saying that is like, okay, so Toronto, Vancouver, we have red tape, we have inventory issues, but people that are in our market like our market because of the appreciation we've seen because of the red tape and and the inventory issues. Where yeah. then Calgary is actually doing what we would love Toronto to do to bring more inventory. But if you go to Calgary and you think you're going to buy it and it's going to go up the same rate as Toronto. Well, it's not because they're going to build more homes and bring more supply, yeah. which is what we need. Yeah. But then you can't have both. It's like, it's kind of one Here's where I think you're, you're wrong, Tom. Okay, you give it to me. You are importing, you are importing a bunch of Vancouverites and Torontonians. Is that the right word? That's sure. The way. Uh, into a place where previously they have a belief and a uh, political, well, political structure or political belief that we shouldn't have red tape. And now you're taking people that favor red tape mm-hmm. mm. and you're moving them there because it's a better place to be because it turns out red tape isn't awesome, but they're going to start voting Calgary. I think they're going to start voting Calgary into a red tape place. Like for instance, you guys still don't have rent control. You think it's coming? There's been like no talk. Like it's really? been, yeah. Um, I, I would say, what we're seeing in Calgary here is, and the way we advise our clients is because of that lack of red tape, like when it comes to people coming in and saying, oh, listen, you know, I want to buy a single family home for $650,000 or $700,000. And I want to look at all these different peripheral communities. Um, a lot of those communities, they don't have anything in, intrinsically valuable to them in a way that will actually appreciate over time. And it's just a, it's more of, I shouldn't say they wouldn't appreciate over time. I should say it's more like a rising tide. You know, like all ships rise with the tide and all, all go to, out with the tide. So then what do you find um, for your clients that actually has intrinsic value? And that's going to be those special communities with great schools in locations, or it's limited by some maybe geographical uh, barrier, right? Maybe it's up against the green belt on the west side of the city where there just is no more land to develop. Whereas if you were to go to the southeast Calgary, like there's nothing stopping southeast Calgary from, from growing to the U.S. border. <laughs> like it's it's got no, no no impediments uh whatsoever right and as long and for me like if i'm going to go and invest in a, a brand new home and uh, you know i'm going to look at six hundred thousand dollar home and i think of what my family really needs 
I'm going to go to one of those satellite communities because my money is going to go so much farther. Um, but then the challenge is, is five years down the road when they build a new community, just another minute or two out, your espresso cabinets are now are now now whites in style, or now espresso's back and whites out of style, and that guy's selling for a brand new property under warranty that you're not uh, a- able to compete with in the same way. We had um, Tony Joe on the podcast from Victoria, uh, BC, yeah. and he said every time he flies over right. Calgary, he looks down and he's like, trying to find the last house he can see in the city. And now every <laughs> time he goes, there's another last house. Well, that's not the case in, John, in Toronto, Vancouver, because you can't build that last house. And just to yeah. circle back on the on the rent control question, it's like, well, you don't need rent control because if your landlord says, hey, I'm up in rent $200, there's enough other options you could just be like, well, no, I'm going to, yeah. I got... 10 other places I go rent for the same price, I'm not going to agree to this. So it's like yeah. the 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 red tape and the rent control and, and everything else isn't really going to happen um, unless it becomes an issue that people start complaining about it, right? I agree. I agree. And guess what you're doing? Importing complainers. So, <laughs> so enjoy that because yeah. all the yeah. whiners from my area are coming your way because they're like, hey, it's too expensive here. I can't make it. I'm not going to sacrifice here and make it work here. So I'm going somewhere else which is cheaper. And I'm, I'm totally in favor of that. Trust me, I've given it my own thoughts over the last while going, okay, this can make a ton of sense. I'm just worried for Calgary that they're – but maybe those people that will complain won't stick it out. Have you seen anybody leaving after like two years so far? This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by Carish Real Properties. That's right. My co-host Steve runs an amazing real estate team in the Fraser Valley. If you're someone looking to get more insight of what's going on in the Fraser Valley real estate market, I would highly recommend reaching out to Steve and his team. They're going to tell you what you actually need to hear, and they're going to exceed your expectations all the way throughout the transaction. I've met Steve and his entire team in person and they're all people that are really, really passionate about what they do. And a lot of their business comes from repeat and referrals, so it's no surprise that they've continued to be in the top 1% of the Fraser Valley Real Estate Board for many, many years. They service Cloverdale, the Fraser Valley, and Surrey, and they know what they are doing. But don't just take my word for it, they have over 95-star Google reviews online. If you're looking for good advice that's not salesy with real people delivering really great results, I would highly recommend reaching out to Steve and his team. You can find them online at krproperties.ca or in the show notes, you can go in there and you can book a call directly with Steve or someone on his team at a time that works best for you. If you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in the Fraser Valley, Cloverdale, or Surrey, I highly recommend Karish Real Properties. And now back to the show yeah a handful like honestly i think honestly it provides a really great life like if you went from a market where you are constantly under stress financially and constantly stretched extremely thin and then you go to a place where all of a sudden your money's going so much farther you have so many more opportunities to travel you can go visit your family now whenever you want across canada because we've got a great like you know airport here that's like an international airport with a great hub to all these different locations you start to realize like okay well what do i really want or need in my life and for me like i'm just at a i'm at a stage in my life where i want i, I just want the freedom of not having to think about like money or the pressure of of money and and i know that that's where i'm usually like the happiest my family's the happiest and and you know it's 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 i think it's still a great life it's just there is four true seasons here 
Like there is four true seasons. So there's some, there's definitely some challenges. Winter one, winter two, winter three, and winter Pretty four. Much. Is that, yeah. And then summer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Last question about Calgary. I, I just, I think yeah. this is really interesting, right? I think a lot of people watching this and listening to this, Brad, are like thinking about this. They've, they've had this thought. So I just want to make sure they know exactly what they would need to know on an education level. Um, yeah. There's a new... Um, flipping tax an anti-flipping tax from the canadian government that i believe steve fill me in if you sell within under a 12-month period you may have to pay business tax on it is that where we're at uh yeah it's like coming in at income tax i believe i don't know i gotta look into it more is it in place i don't even know if it's in place yet uh, it certainly is in Toronto. We've got the speculation tax. It's the same thing. But that if that has already come into place or is coming, Brad, do you think that will change your market for the flippers of real estate? You know what? We don't have a massive flipping market mm. uh, here in, in the city. And I think it's always just been a restriction of like what the realized profits would be, right? Like Because you buy in a great older community that has that sort of low-hanging fruit, uh, you know, you're not dealing with a large amount of square footage. Maybe you got a 1,200 square foot bungalow near the university, and you think, well, okay, I'm going to renovate it. Well, you're you're paying six hundred thousand dollars or seven hundred thousand for it. You're putting in one hundred and fifty, and you're hoping to make eighty thousand. Right. So there's not really like it's not a, this really juicy um, you know apple that everyone is trying to get a piece of. So so for me, I don't I don't really see that as a as much of a challenge. And right, and then the flipping tax, it only actually. Um, it only actually applies if you've earned a profit. Right, right. And yeah. So it's gonna, I think it's going to restrict uh, inventory in my market because we do have a community that, you know, if you if you made 100 grand this year, maybe you, it's enough to get on to the next place so they'll flip their place pretty quick. Yeah. It's not uncommon um, for us to see speci- specifically older houses, you know, way back in the years of the 1970s and 80s. Um, And then those guys would buy it, maybe stick a tenant in it, maybe move into it, and then flip it eight months later and make a hundred grand after expenses. I think those guys are now not going to sell. They're going to wait two or three or four years when it's, you know, not the same thing. It's going to bring even less inventory to the market. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so I want to take this conversation the other direction now for a second. So, We've now figured out, if you're listening or watching, um, you have a better understanding of if you want to make that move to Calgary, and if you do, you call Brad. Now, now that we've got that figured out, let's let's go here for a second on how I knew who you were before we ever met. I don't know where it was the first time, I don't know if it was Instagram or YouTube, but I saw a property tour video, and I'm like, what HGTV show is going on here? I'm like, wait a second, this is just this guy. What's going on here? And how you built your name very fast in this industry, Brad, is you became the best. Not just kind of good or another person that does this, but you're like, everyone else is doing it at this level. I'm going to do it up here. And the way that you market properties took you to an absolute another level and everyone knew who you were. So could you just kind of break down the philosophy on that and how that got you into also high-end properties fairly quickly in your market? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it was actually very early on in my career. Uh, I had been, uh, when I got my license, my father was actually doing a renovation on a home and was going to be selling it about six months into my license. It would be all finished and ready to, to go or six months into my career. And so that first six months, I had actually, um, you know, I was selling like a house a month. I was still working uh, with my renovation company and I was getting excited to have this upcoming listing. 
And as it got closer and closer <laughs> to, 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 to coming along, like I was like drive by the house and I'd see like countertops are going in. So I'm texting my dad like, hey, I should send that listing agreement over soon. And, and you know, when, when do you think guys are going to be ready? And are we going to stage the place? And, and, and it just like he started to ghost me. <laughs> my own father started to ghost me. And I realized I'm like, he doesn't, he doesn't want to use me. And so finally, I get them on the phone. And I'm like, Dad, like, what's going on? Like this property, like, I'd love to get started to market it or like get a sign out front or something for you. And he's like, it's a lot of money for your mother and I. And I was like, sorry, what? And he's like, it's, it's just a lot of money. And I'm just worried that if I, you know, if I list with you, like, we just can't afford to really lose on this one. And it was in that moment that like I started to beg. I just like begged him for it. <laughs> and uh, I was like, listen, dad, I've been watching a lot of YouTube and watching Peter McKinnon and I've been watching Matty Hapoya and I've been watching Casey Neistat. And I'm going to create this really cool video tour. I've never done it before. I'm going to buy all the equipment and I promise you that I'm going to do something that's never been done before. And he just stared at me because he's a farmer from Saskatchewan. And he was like, what are you talking about? And uh, I was like, and if you don't give me the listing, you never see your grandkids again. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got the listing, but not because I was going to become this you know, great marketer or anything. Um, but what I did was I bought all the equipment. It all came in. I took all the recommendations from YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, I got to the house at 10 o'clock on a Thursday morning. Um, I'd never balanced a gimbal before in my life or a new camera settings or anything like that. And so... I unpacked all the gear at the house and then I watched countless YouTube videos throughout the day and I filmed for 13 hours and that video is still up on my YouTube channel. But one of the things that happened was, is once I uploaded it to YouTube, which was really the only purpose of it was just to be like a place to store the video with a public link. Um, I realized when I started holding open houses at the property that people were coming in and they're like, oh, um, you're the guy, you're the guy from the video. And they were treating me as if I was someone. And I realized that that's because we've had this lifelong relationship with a screen that tells us if someone's on the other side of the screen, that they, that must mean something, right? That must mean that they're an authority or, or they understand something. And so I saw this as an opportunity to really advocate for my clients. And, and the funny story about that is, is that instead of being upset with my dad, like looking back, I'm so incredibly thankful for it because I realized like the most important thing in this industry is that nothing is guaranteed. You don't deserve the listing and that the only question you should be asking uh, of yourself and that every agent should be asking themselves is what's in it for them. Yeah. Like what's in it for the person that's choosing to work with you. Don't tell me it's your client concierge experience. Don't tell me it's something else that's, you know, you're, you're just really going to be attentive or, or, or you're going to respond in you know, a timely fashion. It's like, no, what moves the needle, right? This entire industry has taught agents how to get the listing. That's all the coaching in this industry about how to get the listing. My question is, once you've got the listing, what are you going to do to actually help that family get further ahead? And I, I felt just such an obligation to, to people, and I still do to this, this day. And, and I've surrounded myself with a team that sort of shares those values uh, that we just want to do our very, very best work each and every time. And of course, you know, the opportunity. Like I never wanted to be in front of the camera. I was always happy to be behind the camera and making the videos. For the first three years, I just shot and edited everything myself. And uh, you know, I still to this day um, shoot and edit content um, that we release. And uh, now I have a full-time videographer. 
it's led to a lot of business. But like in my third year, fourth year in the industry, um, I sold 71 million in real estate myself that year. And my team did $110 million in sales. And so we, you know, with a small team with like three other agents last year, we did 110 million again. This year, we're on track to do over 100 million with my own personal production um, being way less now as my own sort of career has evolved. And it, it it's exciting, but all of it has came from that same thing of like, I'm going to wake up this morning. And if I don't have an email, a DM or a phone call about listing someone's property, I'm going to go work on my brand. I'm going to go work on my offer. I'm not going to go hit the phones or hit the streets and try to get someone to you know raise their hand and, and say, sure, I guess you can be my realtor. I wanted people to want to work with us. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's that delicate balance, right? So like I thought about this a lot too, where I know everything we're taught in this industry is pick up your goddamn phone and, and call people yeah. and follow up and, and keep asking until you get an absolute no and, and yada, yada, yada. And, and I agree with 95% of that, right? Yeah. But I'll also tell you from doing this YouTube stuff, from building my brand and then people reach out, they're like, Tom, we know you, let's work yeah. together. I'm like, oh my God, imagine I could just do that over and over yeah. and over again. Um, and I know, Brad, you, I remember you telling me that sometimes in listing presentations now, you walk in you, and you sit down with the seller and the, and the seller's like, okay, so in the video for our house, here's what we're thinking. Yeah. Like, it's not like, how long have you been doing this? What do you cost? You know, yeah. all this, it's just like this, can we do this? Like, yeah, we, that's, you know, a, we just, that's an unfair we advantage for you. Well, it's like wild when we show up now, yeah, we'll walk in and people will say like, okay, oh my gosh, can't believe we're meeting you. Yeah. Here's what we're thinking. Like, so excited to show you our house because we want to see what you'll do with it. Like that's in a completely, in fact, early on in my career, one of the things I had to learn was one of the fundamental rules of sales is to stop selling once they're sold. Yeah. Right. So I would still kind of go in and try to like explain my value when they obviously were already going with me. So I was like, okay, I got to get away from that and just talk about the next steps. And then what I would always do during those calls, cause they would be so amped up and so excited because they saw our content. And that was really the reason why we always tried to push to create higher and higher quality content is I just wanted there to be distance between me and the rest of the market, right? Like I was done trying to improve my faults. Yeah. I was like, nope, I'm going to take my strengths and I'm going to go all in on that because that's the thing that I can move uh, the needle on the furthest for my clients. And that's really where where now all of a sudden we get like, we just got a $4 million listing, which is a big listing in our market. It'll be, you know, top 15 or 20 uh, listings. And yeah, they just, they called up and they were like, we like your style. Um, we can't wait to show you the bowling alley. Like, what do you think you're going to do with the bowling alley in the basement? Like, would you start with that? Would you start with the view? And I'm like, yeah, you just, you got to give us room to do what we do and we'll let you know. And I think that's probably one of the coolest parts about it because we always went so all in on each of the pieces of content, whether it was a $200,000 condo or $7 million listing, because we always went all in, I don't have that challenge of the sellers telling me what they want to see or what they want me to say. Because uh, in all of our videos, um, they're like, you just, you do the thing that you do and, and then that, and then we'll just let you do that thing. And, and we're happy with that. And for me, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to work with people that, you know, were, were partnered, were excited to work with me. And I also wanted to be an investor in every listing. Like I wanted to be invested in the outcome, right? Because I started to run the numbers. I'm like, wait a second, I can get photos and measurements for four or 500 bucks. 
I can get ChatGPT to write a, you know, like write a, a, a listing. Like, I mean, like literally agents can be invested four or $500 into, you know, a 10 to 25, $30,000 commission. And some agents are investing four or $5,000. And, and I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to be the guy that's investing, you know, a lot of money into, uh, to getting that return, I want to make sure that I'm putting it in a place that actually is going to be scalable. Yeah. Like it doesn't just stop when the 300th postcard is delivered. It has the ability to actually get legs and keep living. And, and now we've got content we made three years ago that gets watched just one video that gets watched three hours a day, three years ago. Imagine that return. Like that's, that's amazing. It's been a really amazing thing for our business. And what I'm hearing here is that regardless of what industry you are in, whether it's real estate or anything else, if you're watching or listening to this podcast, what I can take from Brad's story is, okay, you came into a brand new industry that you were new to and you're five years in and you have very much built a big business for yourself. You become, you know, a lot of the luxury stuff as well because of the videos. But what you yeah. did is you put in the time, the sweat equity, you watch YouTube, it was self-taught because everyone's like, well, I want to make videos like Brad, who do I have to hire? It's like, well, before Brad hired, he figured it out himself. He figured mm -hmm. it out. He put in the time to actually make this happen because he was obsessed and probably the, the factor for you is you were obsessed with creating a career because you wanted to give your family a good life. And, yeah. and that was probably the overall why in terms of why you even watch 13 hours of videos other than maybe your dad not listing his house with you. Yeah. But but that's what I heard out of that. So I just wanted to bring that up. And it's like, regardless of whether it's real estate or anything else, you better you better be obsessed with this and you better be able to put in the time and, yeah. and not give up right away. Steve, you got something to say? Yeah, I'm going to confess to something here. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh I, I apologize in advance. I hate property videos. <laughs> i absolutely hate them i hate trying to do them yeah uh it's obviously not my thing i don't think it's a lot of people's thing that's why they look at trying to outsource it because here's my thought and you've just explained why i'm probably wrong um but like i think it is a tool to get the listing and it's not necessarily a tool to sell the listing for 99 of agents right it's like okay yeah we'll do a video and because that's what the seller wants to see. Like the typical video that everyone does though, which is the boring, I hate it. hello, I'm Tom, and this is this house. Yeah. It's got three bedrooms, three bathrooms. Let's go see it. And then you never see Tom again. It's just and a boring I, tour. Yeah, and then I hold up my sign that says, I hate property tour videos, <laughs> prove me wrong. And, and we've gotten and then, to the part of the podcast. Yeah, and then... <laughs> So, so here's me, grumpy guy, right? Like old guy, same thing. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just not my thing. Right. And that's, what's cool yeah. about YouTube is you find your thing and then you find people that like your thing and then you're successful. Yeah. Um, but I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, I just don't believe in this at all. Yeah. And then and I saw that damn video that you did with the house, <laughs> with the pool inside the back, like inside oh, yeah. the house. Yeah. And I was like, Honey, are we moving to Calgary? <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, like that, that would have been a house. Like if I was looking for something, I never would have thought of it. It would have been, you could not have described that house with pictures. Mm -hmm. The virtual tour would have done nothing. And seeing that house made me consider like, you see what we can get and be mortgage free in, in mm -hmm. Calgary, honey? Like maybe. Yeah. And that's the I'll power that what, it has. I'll tell you why I think, uh, um, point blank, why I think you're wrong on that, Steve. Like, I understand a lot of agents don't want to do the tours. I, I get it. Um, but they are such, like, we will sell 
50 million a year off of YouTube. And not just attract, not just attract new listings, but sell. And so there have been so many, like, like countless times, like, for example, that three and a half million dollar home, we sold that over YouTube before it hit the market to a 70 year old man who owns a jewelry shop here in Calgary. Um, I've sold a $3 million property on, uh, out in Bear's Paw, um, another one out there, to two Toronto buyers sight unseen, competing over it, and went over ask. That video, the people, the Toronto buyers moved in July of 2021. And then last spring, more Toronto buyers still watching that video, looking for a modern place out in the countryside, bring us two offers of over $4 million a month apart. And so YouTube does sell. And the biggest thing is, is that like, so we get what I'll get, for example, I was just at a listing presentation this week. And one of the other agents said, well, you know, I don't like about Brad's videos is they're all about him. But the reality is if you actually watch yeah. those videos, the videos are nothing about me. I, I don't videos, believe that at all. Yeah. The, the videos, well, I mean, what it is, is, you know, it's maybe jealousy or something else. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when it comes to that. But the, the biggest thing about those videos is like what they have is an advocate. And they have an advocate from the first second to the very last second of that video for their home. And it's their words coming out of my mouth directly into the buyer's ears. And I would contend, I would contend that 99% of agents have completely missed the boat when it comes to actually speaking directly to the buyer. Now, I understand when you come from like an investment culture of Vancouver or or Toronto and all that stuff, and you look at the numbers and, and a hot market and all that stuff where, you know, you can just post a picture of a place and it sells. It's different here. And yeah. the big the big difference is, is that when I have a seller and I'm representing their property, I want the ability to talk to the buyer. I don't care if they're represented by a buyer's agent. I want to talk directly to the buyer and I want my seller's story. I want their, their, the things that they loved about the home, the way the sun came in at one part of the day or the construction that went in behind the walls that don't show up in the pictures, like the details of this home. I want to be able to explain it in an entertaining way, cinematically long enough so people get as much of a first showing as possible on that property so I can save my sellers the time of people who are coming through trying to be like, oh, I didn't stitch the photos together on the MLS properly. I didn't realize it was this layout. Otherwise, it wouldn't have even came. So yeah. for me, the hack, the hack, the only hack that I've ever discovered in real estate is if you can actually talk to directly to the buyer, the buyer will then come out to that home and be more passionate about that property. That video is going to help them during the negotiation process because they're going to go back and watch it during the selection process because they're going to send three links to 50 photos on websites that you have to register for to their family out in Ontario. And then they send a video that you press play once. And anyone that's a marketer understands how difficult it is to get someone to click through 50 times on realtor.ca and get to the 13th picture where the renovated bathroom is. Because if it's not the first photo, the unrenovated kitchen is what's not selling that place or what's getting people's opinion of the value differently. So for us, there's so many different points of value that we can use these videos for. Yes, it attracts us more business tracks us a ton more business, but those videos, they sell, they, they close at so many different points, um, along the, the process, everything from social proof, from family support, uh, to the emotional piece. Like we're coming from a market where it's like six homes on the market, no defining features between all six. And the way I, I built my career was on the property that had not sold, 
had not sold in six months, I would get an opportunity to list it because they thought they would try mm. me with the video, but I would not get a price adjustment. And so I would get the same dead listing and then we would get a sale. And so the thing that I always tell agents about is that you might not want to do it or invest in that part of it, or it might feel like it's a long path to a return on investment. But here's the shortest way to quantify it. For our listings, we double end 19% of them. Okay. 4% mm. is the industry average. Mm. Mm. So if you can actually up that average for bringing in the buyer as well, you're going to see uh, all of a sudden an offset on those costs that you're investing into it. Well, we better hope that uh, Calgary doesn't get too hot because then they're going to bring in the no dual agency like BC, but that's a whole so nother conversation. When we were, it wouldn't change. I would still do it. <laughs> when we were, um, I want to say you go back like 2015, 2016, 2017, we're, you know, we're cranking out a hundred plus deals a year, 10 listings. So let's say 20 ends in a year would be double ending. And then 2018 came along and they were like, oh yeah, cool story. Uh, yeah. No more double ending going on yeah. uh, in BC. So I like that's a big thing. That's that's one of those things I think is eventually it's going to come across the country whenever they decide that hey, this is uh, enough is enough. Things are getting too busy. I think it's coming to Ontario eventually. I just don't know when. We, I don't we, think it's done anything. We but. very rarely do it anyways because our market is so competitive and there's so many agents. You almost can't even if you really tried. Maybe if I did a Brad style video, I'd have more of an opportunity. But um, but one thing I want to bring up, Brad, is you said that you cut through all the crap and you talk directly to the buyer. And what I think is cool is that you found your avenue to do that, which is with these property tours. And what I think me and Steve have tried to do the same thing. We talk directly to the buyer too, but not necessarily for that specific property, but just to a buyer that doesn't know what they want to buy yeah. yet. Because we do more like the talking head style videos, which I've seen you've been doing some of as well, but like yeah. you're knowing for the the property yeah. tour video. So it's just, at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're trying to educate people. You're educating them yeah. on the house and why they want it. We're educating them on the overall market and why they should call us to help them find the house. But at the of end course. of the day, we're trying to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I would say, that, I mean, this is this is the whole value piece. For I mean, this is a, a universal truth, not just a, applicable to, to real estate, but it's like that like age old quote of like, how do you want to get, like, how do you get what you want? Well, you figure out how to give everyone else what they want. Yeah. You know, if you if you can do that, then you're going to be fine. And and so if you're providing some level of value to people and you found some way to scale that, you're great. Steve, you've been chomping at the bit to say something. What's going on? Over yeah, there? No, sorry, I, was, I was just chomping, chomping here. My internet's chomping up too. As no, well. you're fine. You're fine. It's, you look good. It's um, uh, I don't know. I so let I just want to because I hate doing property like i don't hate your videos i'm saying i hate doing property videos um if i'm trying to recreate this and i'm another agent obviously i can't be you but on the back end like is this something where you shoot the video and then you put it up on youtube and then you like do you pay to get views to start like obviously you're probably not doing that now because you've got this massive ball that's already rolling but like, yeah. how do you, if somebody's literally like listening out there and they're new in the business or they're like, okay, maybe this is my edge that I can do the same thing that you're doing in a different market. What's that first video once it's ready to upload? Let's not talk about reproducing yeah. what you do, but what do you do on the, on the actionable side? Do you, do you pay for YouTube views? Do you just, do you just 
upload it to realtor.ca and the link to straight to YouTube? What do you do? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, so first off, like the whole YouTube side of thing, like we could talk for an hour <laughs> yeah. about yeah. that. I've got a hard stop in about five minutes. Yeah, we're almost um, wrapped up. We're good. Um, but I will say this though, um, to get, get started, there's sort of two things I'd recommend. If you're getting started as an agent, you should have a YouTube channel where you're sharing some level of content or knowledge or value. If you're doing a property tour um, like myself, and you really want to get some extra eyeballs on it, sure, you can promote it for, you know, to certain postal codes and, 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 and get some additional views that way. If you're trying to build a bit of a base, I would say like as a purist, when it comes to YouTube, I want only pure data. So I want analytics that I can actually learn from. I don't want to have boosted analytics. Like the goal is, it just depends what you're trying to do. Like if you're running a marathon and you want a career that's going to span 10, 20 years and, and build something really meaningful, then you want to stay organic as, as long as you possibly can. Um, whereas, you know, if you're needing that next commission, you know, you might want to get as many eyeballs on it in the beginning, but do so at your own worry because a, a year down the road, you can find yourself making content that actually doesn't resonate with your audience. And yeah. because you haven't yet defined who that audience uh, really is. Um, but if I was a brand new agent, I would be doing what um, what's happening in my city right now. And it's probably happening in yours too. But we've got a couple of great agents here um, that I met very early on in their career. And what they were doing was going around to every property that was like a builder's show home or a, it was like a, a vacant property that was staged. And they were doing a quick 30, 40 second uh, TikTok tour on it. And they would just do a voiceover, go really quickly. So it's very low on their own personal branding. Maybe they have like a flat brim cap like Tyler Haspin or, 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 or something like that. But these guys are going out and getting, in some cases like doing five to seven tours a week. Like they are burying other agents with it. And, you know, a lot of these guys, they started off, they were getting so much interest. They had no idea how to do a deal or close a deal or any of the paperwork or anything behind it, but they were just getting so many eyeballs that they were growing so fast. So like now we've got, like we just had uh, on one of my listings, the YouTube video just a week ago, we uh, brought the buyer in through realtor.ca because that was the one thing that I did do is I would, um, you know, you could actually upload your video link to realtor.ca. And what's cool about that is that when you click on the property, it actually shows up in place of the first photo. So if you have a YouTube yep. tour on it, it actually shows up in place, you know, right where it shows the eye guide or whatever that yep. thing is. I just have my link in there. And people go and watch a branded tour. So it's amazing for my business and the exposure on the home and, and all that stuff. So it's a, it's a great first way to do it. But for the agents that are doing these TikTok tours, the day we sold it, double-ended it, a kid went in and like, I'm talking like a kid, like six months in the industry, went in and did a, a tour on it and got 3 million views in 32 hours on TikTok. And I will tell you this, we had 27 calls during that time from realtors saying, my client wants to submit an offer. And I'm like, you know, we just went conditional <laughs> yesterday. Backup offers, like the whole thing. Wow. And it was greater impact than my YouTube video. Like it was, it was just because it had such legs. Like it was amazing how it went out. Brad, I know you gotta you gotta jump out of here. I'm gonna save this as a final question. We'll do sixty seconds on it, and and yeah. I would love to have you back because we could do an hour on you and Steve on this because Steve's an old grumpy uh, guy that doesn't like change. Um, <laughs> Pick I can't, up your phone, I can't, call I people, belly to belly. I can't believe no, not even about that. I can't believe I didn't bring this up earlier. I apologize. Give me sixty seconds on how Real Broker is changing the industry. You guys passed ten thousand agents. I know you brought it to Canada. It's a big thing. I wish we had talked more about it today, but just give me the give me this 67 what's going on with real broker 
Yeah, you know, it's a really exciting company to be a part of here. Like I brought it into Canada um, 19 months ago in Calgary. And now just in my own city, we have over 500 agents. Um, you know, we are a similar model to eXp in that we're cloud-based and we have a revenue share structure and there is ownership opportunities. We're publicly traded on the NASDAQ. Um, but all of that aside, the biggest thing that I didn't like about that style of, of brokerage was that it felt like it misplaced the value on recruitment over production. And so it was really important to me that what we did was we built a brokerage where if you never wanted to recruit or attract anyone to the brokerage, you would still come. And so I believe that what we've done is attract people like us, like that Seth Godin statement of people like us do things like this. Yeah. I think we've got um, the energy and the momentum. I think we've got great people. Um, we ain't perfect. We're still building this thing. That's the opportunity. And that's also the challenge. Um, and so I'm, I'm really proud of where we're at. We've got a lot of work, a lot of work ahead of us. And for me, the only thing that I want to do is five years from now, be able to look back and say, I'm really proud of what we built and how it's helped the industry. And, um, you know, right now we're, we're getting some feedback that that's maybe anecdotally true. Yeah. And I'm sure for some people it's not. So, you know, uh, I, I'm excited about it, but I, I, I don't like to shill for it too hard. So, <laughs> I, uh, so I apologize if I did. No, no, you didn't. I, I don't know if disruptor is a dirty word or you guys even like to be acknowledged that, but here's what I will say. You are making noise and people are starting to pay attention and agents that actually do significant business, not just agents that have big social yeah. media followers, but agents that do business are now joining that brand. And I think that's very interesting to keep an eye on. Brad, thank you so much for being here. This flew by. You were an awesome guest as we knew you would be. Um, if anyone is watching or listening and they want to get in touch with you or your team in Cal Calgary, where do they go? Yeah, you can go to calgaryyycrealestate.com or just reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook at The Real Brad McCallum. I love it. it. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks. That was okay, awesome. What?